everyone. Welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. How's it going, Ron? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So this week, uh, I would like to talk about something we talk about when we're training new pilots, uh, flying so many mistakes high and what that means. And what got me to thinking about this is that, I don't know if you know this or not, but last weekend, uh, another plane down in the corn. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't know that. Who yeah. was it? Who, well, uh, well, it was don't say our, who. <laughs> yeah, it was one of our one of our club members. Um, okay, apparently was flying a little bit too low, trying something new, and yeah, put it in the corn. And and oh, by the way, uh, we'll talk about this too. Uh, it's still in the corn. <laughs> yeah. So what does that make? Three sitting three, out there now. There are currently three airplanes that I know of. Yeah, uh, out in the corn, lonely, with no nobody to. <laughs> Love on Lonely, them. cold at night. Cold at night, wet. getting rained on. Yep, out ah. of the corn. So that's what I would like to talk about tonight. What kind of plane was it? Uh, apparently it was a foam, like a foamy uh, EDF, electric ductive fan. Oh, little, little so mm -hmm. probably not going to have much to salvage out of that one. Probably not. Okay. Yeah, so that's what I would like to talk about. At tonight. least there's still hope for my motor. I, st I still think there is. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm done. Hey, but before but yeah. we get started... Um, I just want to take a minute to thank all of our uh, patrons on Patreon. Good idea. Uh, folks who have uh, voluntarily emptied out their wallets to help us continue doing what we're doing. <laughs> Maybe not empty their wallets, but they certainly are uh, very generous with what they've uh, uh, pledged, pledged uh, to do for us. So starting uh, in no particular order, Matt Leroy, uh, Jeffrey Arsenault, Rick Maddox, Rob Alexander, Ron Struss, Jason Barris, Garrett Newhart, Jeff at Flight Team, Don Shack, Steve Yum, all one word, and Rob <laughs> Derrick. Guys, thank you very much. And girls, if there's girls out there, uh, sure appreciate the the support. Um, uh, you guys helping us out is really kind of what kept us going to this point. <laughs> really. Yes. When when the time comes and we don't feel like sitting down, it's like you know what. There are people that are depending yeah, on us depending. for a little bit of entertainment. And hopefully we've provided at least a little bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thank you very much. We yeah. do appreciate it. Uh, appreciate if you that. want to learn how to become a patron or if you have any interest in doing that, rcplanelab.com slash Patreon, maybe. I don't know. Just go to the homepage and click on the become a patron link and it'll walk you through how to do yep. it. And the homepage is www.rcplanelab.com. I mean, we can't make it any easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we make it. We try to make it as easy as possible for you guys to support us because, uh, like I said, we wouldn't be here recording today if we didn't have people that were counting on us for riveting, entertaining <laughs> entertainment. Entertaining entertainment. That's entertaining the only kind to have. Right? Well, we don't want boring entertainment because then it wouldn't be entertainment. I don't know. Uh. All right, so anyway. Got off the rails. There we go. That's what we do. We get <laughs> off the rails and then we get back on. And so, yeah. We don't even have rails half the time. That's true. Sometimes we have notes. Not today. Not today. <laughs> this is going to be a fun <laughs> one. So I'm just so, going to sit back and let you tell your tale. And okay. we'll see what the conversation brings because I have no clue. Right. So something, like I mentioned a little bit ago, uh, that I always tell students, like whenever I'm teaching, it's been a while, but... Um, you want to fly, you know, so many mistakes high, two mistakes high, three mistakes high. So what does that like, you know, actually mean? How high should you fly? Right. Well, I mean, 
How, By the way, we know how high you shouldn't fly. There's the episode title. I just came up with it. Yeah, good. Exactly. Um, so we know we know we have an upper limit, right? Four hundred feet. Four hundred feet. Can't what fly. is four hundred feet? Well, that's uh, basically like a four and a half to five story building. I mean, you could think of it that no, way. It's not uh-huh. a four and a half. No, a four a story is roughly ten feet. Yeah. So that would be fifty feet for a five story oh, building. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm doing the math <laughs> the wrong way. Yeah, so it's about a four-story building or less, right? What? Yeah, so four stories is, oh, no, 40. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> that does seem kind of low. I was four gonna stories. Say, wow, four that's stories not very high not at all. Much. <laughs> that's not even a mistake high. No. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Okay, sorry. Ooh, so about a f- <laughs> so about a forty-story building. That's about as high as you want to. <laughs> very roughly. There you <laughs> very go. Very roughly. Yeah. Ah. Uh, so that's the upper limit, right? So for sorry, that tickles me. <laughs> I just go on. Ah, I'll wait for you to finish. No, I'm good. <laughs> um, so a mistake, right? Uh, so it depends. There's a lot of factors. You know, it depends on the on the pilot you're teaching. Uh, depends on the airplane, you know, because a, a mistake for a high wing trainer type airplane is not going to be the same uh, altitude difference maybe that a mistake on a extra or some kind of 3D plane might be. Well, it depends too what you're trying to do. Like if you're True. just trying to learn how to fly, you're right. A mistake is not going to drop you 300 feet out of the air. Especially if you have somebody... Helping, helping you out, yeah, right, exactly. But if you're trying flat spins for the first time, thinking that it's going to match, you know, yeah. what it's like on a simulator, mm-hmm. then yeah, yeah, 300 feet's not enough to recover. Exactly. If you don't know what you're doing, like exactly. me, and exactly. So, um, generally speaking, for me, uh, when I'm when I'm teaching a student, um, I generally consider one mistake to be two loops. So, if you can imagine, what do you know what a Cuban eight is? Mm-hmm. So, a Cuban eight. Explain or, it or just for those blade. that don't. So uh, take ha- take a loop, whatever the altitude, the the however much airspace it takes for that airplane to complete a loop, multiply that by two, and that's roughly, and when I'm teaching anyway, that is about one mistake. So if you're flying a high-wing trainer and it takes 50 feet to complete a loop, then your one mistake high should be about 100 feet. And what's a Cuban 8? So a Cuban 8... Um, if I recall correctly, is basically you start at uh, you know straight and level, you kind of roll inverted, do a half loop, roll inverted again, do another half loop. Split S is half of that, so it's I think it's called a cubinate. So your level, you pull up or down if you're up high, because you can do okay. The, you can I guess you can start or the yeah, top. start from the top. Okay, yeah. so so gotcha. that so that is in my opinion a mistake. And a high wing trainer mistake is going to be, you know, probably a lot less altitude than, you know, a jet of some kind that really eats up the airspace. That moves quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason for that is just like the name suggests, is to allow you to recover should you make a mistake. So if you're flying a high wing trainer, which, you know, generally speaking, high wing trainers, especially today, you let go of the sticks and they'll pretty much correct themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're that good these days. Yeah, but I still, like, honestly, the, the trainers I have flown, I do not like the way they fly. They just don't seem to have, and I, I don't know what's different about them, but, like, the Cavalier, mm-hmm. the Sig Cavalier, yeah. that flies very well. 
and that flies better than any trainer I've ever flown. Well, I, and it's to me, it's easier to fly too. So I don't know if the trainers are just considered trainers because they're easier to put together. They're simpler. You know, there's no, it's a square body. Yeah. It's a flat bottom wing. Right. It's usually held on with rubber bands. And they're, I don't want to say disposable, but they're ones that you don't necessarily mind crashing if something happens. Yeah. I don't think they're trainers because they fly better than anything else. It's not that they fly better. Okay. So <clears throat> you have to sort of quantify or qualify the word better. You know, better doesn't necessarily mean um, more stable or less stable or more aerobatic or less aerobatic. It depends on, you know, you, you have to qualify that. So a, True. a, a trainer is not really designed to fly aerobatically, you know, which somebody might think that's better. What a trainer is designed to do is to allow a beginner to learn to fly. And to do that, you don't want an airplane that's very maneuverable. You don't want an airplane that's, you know, capable of doing, you know, rolls or spins or flat spins or any of these other types. You want an airplane that is very, very stable and somewhat um, resistant to change. Like you, you tend to want a trainer to be something that is difficult to move off of straight and level. And maybe Does that's that make what, sense? yeah, maybe that's my, my issues with them because they, yeah. <clears throat> they seem to be more difficult to, I, I, I think they're more difficult to fly, which might be a good thing too, because you get used to flying something that's a little bit more difficult and then you move on to something intermediate that is. I would say, I would say that say that they are more difficult to fly anything other than a standard racetrack pattern. Okay. Because yeah, that's I, what they are designed to do. They're designed to fly somewhat straight and level with the with the student moving it off of the center. And then if they panic or whatever, they can let go of the sticks and the airplane will return. Dynamically stable. I think that's the term they use. It will return to that sort of it's kind of like trying to, you know, push a bowling ball up a up a hill. It wants to come back down the hill. That's what the trainers want to do. Yeah, with dihedral and, and all that. Right, too. exactly. Yeah. So they they fly great as long as it's straight and level and then kind of basically, you know, just a racetrack pattern that can do basic turns and th which is what they're designed to do. Because as a beginner, if you've never flown anything before, you don't want something that's gonna because that's going to go off the rails as soon as you move the sticks because you don't know how to bring it back. Yeah. And that's what the trainer teaches you. So better doesn't necessarily mean bad. So we don't want to give people the yeah, impression that trainers fly bad or they fly poorly. They are very, very, very stable. So they are difficult to sort of move off of that center. You know, okay. And that's what they're designed to do. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I can see that. Sure. So... But flying still not very, yeah. not very fun to fly. So, yeah, when, when I'm teaching a student, one or two mistakes high. Um, and it depends, like you said earlier also, what, what the point of the lesson is. If, um, excuse me, if the lesson is basic, you know, basic flight with some basic turns, uh, one mistake high is usually enough. Uh, again, one mistake being the altitude you would consume if you did two loops, you know, one on top of the other. Um, <clears throat> especially if they're soloing, like if you're not, and by soloing, I, I don't mean like out there by themselves. I mean, not with a buddy box. They have the transmitter in their hand and there's no cord and, you know, you're going to need some time to grab that transmitter if, <laughs> if you're teaching without a buddy box, which yeah. today there's no reason not to use a buddy box because it's, 
they're so easy to to come by and yeah, but you you get to a point where you have to go without it. Eventually, but you, you yeah. still would want somebody next to you for the yes. first few flights on that, just in yeah. case something happens. And a true yeah, and a true solo for a straight and level flight with basic turns or a figure eight pattern, which is something I like to have my students do um, out in front of me over the corn because we don't which fly is, over the runway. Um, and yeah, of course, mistake, we don't fly over anything but corn because that's all they ever plant. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, did I mention there's three airplanes out there right now? Yeah, probably more by the time the corn comes down. Yeah, probably. Um, but anyway, so for a straight and level flight, if they're if they're solo or IE, just me standing next to them without a buddy box, one mistake high for that type of flying is fine. And, and for that, it's the altitude of two loops, you know, one on top of the other. What are common mistakes, though? So common mistakes are over-controlling. I know it's, 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 we just kind of went over how stable trainers are, but you can uh, over-control them. And that's usually the first thing um, that we try to overcome is too much stick movement or too much over-correcting. Um, and then the second one, probably tied for the first, honestly, is the whole backwards thing when the, when the airplane's coming at you. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's difficult yeah. to, to get. And, and once you get it, it's so simple. Well, but yeah, like, once it clicks, yeah, then you never have to think about it again. Mm-mm. And a little tool I've always used um, that works really, really well is stick to the low wing. Yeah. You know, when the airplane is coming at you, if you move that right stick towards the low wing, it's going to correct it. It's going to bring it back, you know, to level. That's something True. I that yeah. I was taught way, way, way back when I learned to fly, and I teach that to my students because it it works really, really well. See, I still think I th- well. I obviously started with cars, like RC cars, right. and I think that helped. Probably. Because you, you get the basics without the, the downfall <laughs> yeah. of learning, you know, right. backwards when it's coming at you. Yeah. Maybe you run into your foot instead of <laughs> crashing from, you know, yeah, 150 you don't, feet in the air. You don't yeah. have to worry about fixing anything other than retying your shoe. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I think once, right. once you get it, and like you said, once it clicks, then it's you don't put any more thought into it. No. Nope. But man, that is difficult. It is. It is. But yeah. So until it clicks, you know, a mistake high for a straight and level flight. Now, advanced, you know, students, like students who are who are capable now of flying without a buddy box, they can take off and they can land and now they want to work on, you know, maybe loops or a roll or something like that. Besides turning up the rates on the on the on the airplane, you know, to make it so that you can do those maneuvers. Now we're moving into the two mistake high level because once an airplane is upside down, especially if it's coming at you, everything is backwards. That's all wonky. Yeah. The only thing that's not backwards at that point is the throttle. So having that extra airspace is really, really important, especially when you're, you know, introducing aerobatics into the mix. So that's, that's sort of the rule of thumb I use and, and that height or that altitude, that so many mistakes high is totally dependent on the airframe, the type of airplane and the type of how stuff quickly you're you can roll back over and, and kind of recover. Yeah. yeah. Upside down flying. I still have a huge problem with, Yeah, I mean, like it upsets me all the time. I watch you flying and you just go upside down and it's like, that has not clicked with me yet. Yeah. Maybe <clears throat> one day. But it's I don't I don't do anything fancy. I mean, I, I you, you don't if you, crash. If you so ever, like if you ever notice, I may I may flip it upside down, but I'll just do loops or or not loops, but racetrack patterns. Yeah, but you that's still get pretty low over the runway. 
well, for I'm me, pretty comfortable. Low, pretty yeah, low. But yeah, see, I'm not comfortable with that whatsoever. Yeah. Not over the runway. I'm over the corn. Oh, that's what I meant. We don't the fly run- over the well, runway. that's where I land in the corn. <laughs> in the corn. So. <laughs> that's the new runway, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So but two it, mistakes high yeah. is roughly, well, it's twice one mistake high, which whatever that happens to be. In the case of a trainer, I always just, you know, two loops of, you know, like stacked on top of each other, whatever that altitude tends to be. Now, I've heard some other guys um, that train, this is a neat idea too, um, but you have to have some experience for this to work. I've heard some guys say, let's say you're flying a 40 size trainer. They'll tell their student, fly it you know, at an altitude to where it looks like, you know, a foam, whatever, like, like a foamy cub or something Why like that. Why has it got to be foam? Well, because generally speaking, they're smaller. So if you fly okay. a 40 size trainer up high enough to where it looks like a little foamy, you know, cub, then probably you're high enough to give yourself time to, to react. But like I said, you have to have some experience. You have to at least have been to a field to see what, you know, yeah. a foamy cub looks like so foamy cub that reminds me of something can i can i can i interrupt for a little bit absolutely well does it have to do with crashing it does oh perfect <laughs> yes please do so um got a call from somebody we know okay. that uh well, well I'm, i'll make this as short as possible well you don't have to do that <laughs> Well, every good story, if you draw it out, makes it that much more entertaining. <laughs> so I got, I got a picture sent to me. Um, I, okay. I think you might have, I don't remember if you were on that text group or not. But anyway, it's a picture of a battery. And the guy says, would you still use this? And it looked like um, about the last inch of it was pretty smashed up. Oh, like like impact damage? Yeah. Okay. Like it wasn't puffed like a normal puff battery where it's over the whole battery. This is just the the very end of it. Okay. And it's hard to tell in a picture what kind of battery it is, but it was just one I looked at really quick and I said, no, I wouldn't use it, discharge it, get rid of it, you know, whatever. Well, we were talking on the phone later and I kind of, uh, well, see, I I, I don't know how how to word this politely. I, I drug out of him what actually happened. Um, okay. It was uh, it was a, a battery that had a been crash, crashed, obviously, yeah, uh-huh. because it had impact damage. And so either that or he dropped it from a really high distance, which about flight height, I right. guess, is the really exactly. high distance. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he said he was flying a foamy cub. See, oh. it sounds small, right? But it does. no, it was a carbon Z cub. Which apparently he, I, I guess those have pretty large wingspan. I, I'm not familiar with those very much, but he said it's like seven foot wingspan. Oh, wow. That's big for a foam airplane. That's what I thought too. But the battery that was in it was a six cell, 7,000 milliamp hour battery. Oh, well, that would be a big so airplane. So it's, then, it's yeah. a big airplane. But anyway, so he said he's flying it in, a, in an area that I guess he's flown at before, but a little bit too uh, small for that airplane. Okay. And it seemed like I didn't, I didn't really. So it'd be like a, a good area for a small foamy, like a little backyard park flyer type thing. Yeah. Okay. Like a but little. Not a, not a big yeah. seven foot. Not a, not foam a big cup. foam airplane or big okay. airplane at all. But anyway, so Even long story electric. short. Well, electric doesn't really change that much. Well, does some it? people associate electric with uh, environmentally friendly. So if this thing is environmentally friendly, then my neighbors won't care if I fly over their house with it. Well, it's usually quieter. Well, they are first quieter. off. Um, but anyway, so he's flying out in, in this field, mm-hmm. 
loses control of the elevator, which sounds just oh like gosh, what happened yeah, to me. Like, like it's deja vu. Pretty much. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I know the feeling. So I yeah. know where we're going with this. I can and empathize. This is not going to end fun. Yeah. So anyway, he said he ended up, he, he got it straight and level, but he had no control over the elevator. So he just cut the throttle and tried to get it to fall out of the air because, I mean, that's probably a good idea to get it out as, as soon as you can. Well, yeah. You don't have control over up and down. No elevator. Throttle so, didn't, uh, sometimes if, you know, you can use throttle to, to gain or lose altitude. Yeah, but I think it would depend on how that elevator is... Like, oh, I, I don't know if it was no, stuck I, down I or if it was saying. stuck up. I, okay. I, he didn't It was heading he to the say. ground regardless. Right. So he throttled back and tried to minimize the... Yeah, okay. Tried to minimize the damage. And it went into a tree. Okay. Well... I wouldn't think a tree would cause the sort of damage to a battery you're talking about. Maybe, though. I guess, I guess if you hit the trunk of the tree square on, I guess it could be possible. Well, I don't know if that's actually what caused the damage to the airplane oh, because... There's more. So they, <laughs> it gets better. So... After it comes out of the tree, and it, so it, it it crashed farther away. He couldn't quite tell exactly where it was, he said. Um, okay. Long story short, it was getting dark. It was getting kind of stormy out. Went into a tree, couldn't tell where it was. He lost it for that night. Like, he couldn't find it oh. that night at all. Okay. Uh, he ended up going... On, I guess there's a little, Facebook has like a neighborhood group or something by wherever the neighborhood that he was close to. And he posted on there at one time, hey, lost an airplane, if anybody finds it, blah, blah, blah. And he said after he found, or after he posted that, so it must have been like later that night or the next morning or something when he posted it, he saw somebody had already posted, found an airplane. (laughs) If it's yours, you know, here's my contact info. (laughs) So they hooked up. And mm. he got his airplane back. However, this airplane so it had apparently come out of the tree. At this some point. airplane came out of the tree and landed on the guy's roof. Ooh. To where the guy heard it hit the roof, oh. and he went outside to try and see what was going on. And poof, there's an airplane yeah. uh, sitting on your roof. So it was torn up pretty bad. Okay, you know it went well, through I'm a sure. tree. Yeah, went through a tree. Hit then somebody's roof. Hit his roof. Yeah, sat outside. I assume. Do sat we know outside. how tall this tree was? I mean, if this is like a hundred and fifty foot tall tree, I don't. Quite. A, I don't think it'd be that big. Fall. But it's possible. If it, yeah, if it just hit the tops and then kind of yeah. tilted out, I don't know. Ouch. But anyway, so the guy was very cool. Like he, well, thank goodness, he apparently was not too upset about a this. Totally different way. Seven foot airplane landing. I would have been upset. I would have been. I. I. I I would, I, I like, okay. So my roof is metal, so I don't have to worry about anything like damaging it, but I don't want to have to worry about a roof. I don't want to have to worry about messing anything up or anybody Mm -hmm. else's roof up or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I would have been a little upset if an airplane hit my house. Yeah, I would have been. Could you imagine? Okay. So to put a serious spin on this, I'll be the, I'll be the one that does that. What would have happened if that airplane would have say some kid was playing in the backyard yeah. soccer or kid having a catch with his dad and it, and it, you know, fell out of the tree and hit the kid in the head. Yeah. Or even worse, you know, some, you know, mom's pushing her, pushing her baby in a stroller out front and plane falls out of the sky and hits the, I mean, this could have been very, very bad. Yeah. And here's the other thing too. Like when you're flying like that, you're not covered by AMA insurance anymore. Mm-mm. Because you are not in an approved AMA flying site. Yeah, you're not at a CBO. There you go. Yeah. Community-based organization like the, our AMA field. Yeah. 
Yeah. So no coverage whatsoever. So you're just hung out you're, to dry. Yeah. So could have been very bad. Yeah. Thank goodness uh, nothing like that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank goodness that uh, it was just a foamy. If that had been a nitro or something like that, probably a little heavier, maybe even damaged the guy's roof. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, think about it. That's a seven foot foam airplane. That's, well, that's probably weighs probably, more than a 40 size trainer. Probably not. Yeah. Not very light. But yeah. So yeah. He, he said he's not going to fly there anymore. That scared him straight on stuff. So he's. Uh, okay. Well, that's which that's, good. that's the point. I mean, yeah, learn a lesson. You hate move hearing on. things like this because, you know, it's not a good thing. Right. But take yeah. it as a cautionary tale. Don't fly places you're not supposed to fly. Yeah. Let's move on. Well, at least he got the airplane back, I guess, right? Oh, and that yeah, that was the other thing. So he said when he got it back and he was looking at it, the uh, the elevator for the, or I'm sorry, the servo for the elevator where it plugs into the receiver mm-hmm. was pulled out a little bit. Oh, the plug was pulled out of the yeah. receiver. And he said he didn't know if that happened during the crash or before the crash to cause issues with the elevator. But that kind of makes sense that it yeah, would have been I would the reason behind probably, it. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because so, if there's a little bit of slack in the cable when it's plugged in fully, then probably not going to pull out in the crash mm-hmm. unless the fuselage separates and pulls the yeah, servo. But away I, I wouldn't. The, you're right. I wouldn't way, think the so. The way you're describing it, I, I would suspect that that's probably the cause. Somehow. I mean, I don't know how it crash. happens, but yeah. it, it I mean, got who knows, pulled out. You know, if, if you have to plug the wing panels in and you're down there fiddling around by the receiver, it's it's entirely possible when you unplugged... The oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. From the last flight, it may Possible. have pulled it out a little bit. You never know. Enough to where on the table it was working. Yeah. But once it jiggles around in the air a little bit and stuff moves a little bit, that it pulled yeah. itself loose enough to not make contact. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, yeah. fly only fly. Yeah. where you're supposed to fly, no matter what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, mistakes high could have prevented at least, I think, one of these airplanes from being... Oh, and an interesting story. So... According to Bob, uh, who witnessed this, I think he witnessed it, or maybe not sure how that story not the happened. one, not the one I'm just talking about. No, 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 witnessed no, no. the witnessed the other guy that went down number at the, three, yeah, that, or at the field. Three. It's in the in the corn. <laughs> yeah. Um, regardless, so Bob has this cool little device um, that is, I call it the plane finder, but it I think that actually might be what it's called. It's actually this little directional antenna thing that. If you have a transponder that you purchased along with this device, um, it will locate with beeps and squawks and this sort of stuff. It's a homing beacon. Yeah. Pretty much. And yeah, so after I crashed my airplane, um, $54, I think, is what one of those costs. And I went ahead and bought one. Oh, for the transponder? For the transponder. Um, And I have not put it in anything that I've flown since. Well, here you go. So Bob demonstrated that for you. And what was your impression of it? I didn't actually get to use it from far away to see how it would work. So I was, I was there, you know, when when Bob tried to demonstrate how it worked, and, and it made. I'm just gonna, I mean, it beeps just and gonna, makes noises. It does beep and make noises. So I'm just going to preface this by saying I, I have never witnessed with my own eyes, someone crash in the corn, with their airplane that has a transponder in it. And someone going in the corn with one of these plane finder things and coming out of the corn with the airplane. I've never witnessed it. Now, I've heard stories. You know, Bob swears that uh, that he, it, you know, it, he used it once and it took him right to it. I believe Bob. I really do. I believe it worked for him. But I have never seen it 
with my own eyes successfully used. And this last um, example, this little foam EDF that went out in the corn had a transponder in it. Oh, it did? It did. And they still didn't find it. And they didn't. It's still in the corn. Why? And Bob went out there with his little plane finder gizmo, and it's still on the corn. Now, Bob says, and he's probably right, uh, that uh, this particular guy hasn't replaced the battery in that transponder in a while. Or maybe he had it in there and never took it out. I, I, I don't know the details. Well, see, with with the one I have, it, it's just a little CR2032, little button cell battery that goes in it. Um like I wouldn't store it in there. Like you're only going to have a finite amount of time that, that can actually produce signal with a battery like that. Right. So right. I get that. And I'm assuming the individual that crashed this airplane understands that and probably took proper care of it. But Bob says the battery is probably dead and that's why it didn't find the airplane. Huh. But that I'm, makes kinda, me... I'm chalking this up as another example of where this thing doesn't work. See, you 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 made fun of me when I bought one. When I did I, not when make I fun that, of you. You you told me they're they're pretty much worthless. I did not say that. What did you say then? I told you exactly what I just said. I've never seen one successfully used with my own eyes. Which I extrapolated that to mean they're pretty much useless. <laughs> <laughs> because I see your eyes to when the you point, tell me that. Okay, so to the point where I have not purchased <laughs> any transponders. Right. For myself. And I have, like I said, one. Um, I, I hope that you never have the, to use it. Well, the problem is like... That's the hope. I really planned on putting it in the uh, Telemaster when we went out, just in case. Mm -hmm. Didn't. I really planned on putting it on another airplane when I went out after that. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, yeah, the idea is there. Well, But it's going to happen to me to where I crash and I don't have the transponder in it. And that's just, that's how it's going to be. But, like, in my defense, with the Telemaster, I figured, and I probably shouldn't have, but I figured that's a big enough airplane and there's enough of us watching it to where somebody is going to get a bead on where it went down. It flies slow enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's big enough to where we would have a good idea on just being able to walk out and oh, get hey, it. I meant to ask you. So when when you when yours went in the corn, did you take the transmitter in the corn with you? Mm-hmm. The first time? Okay. Yeah, try to move everything yeah, around to try yeah. and okay. see if we could hear anything. Right. But no, it, it went straight into the portal down to Middle <laughs> Earth or something because that thing is just gone. Just, I mean. Gone. So anyway, I look forward to to seeing now that you have a transponder. I look forward to seeing this thing successfully used at some point. Hopefully, way, way, way down the road. But anyway, so should we just throw it, like take the transponder, just well, it, so when and Bob, throw it out in the corn and have somebody find it? Will that make you appreciate? You it? and I had the same. Sort of impression, right? So uh, the exchange happened at the field. You know, you had Bob order you one of these transponders and you picked it up from him at the field. And he happened to have his little plane finder with him. The little gun thing that it uses, yeah. yeah. So he told us, he said, here, I'll show you how it works. You just hold on to this and I'll point this at, at it and you'll see. So he, we, we, you put the battery in the transponder thing and he turned the gun on or whatever it's called. And it did. It beeps and squawks and makes different noises and stuff. But it, to me anyway, while I was sitting there watching, I didn't see any rhyme or reason to the beeps it was making. Like he would point it at the transponder and it seemed to make the same beeps that it was making when he was pointed, you know, 180 degrees away from it. I well, think maybe we, if he had, you know, put a little distance between him and the transponder, maybe that's, then that's maybe it would say. have been more convincing. We were less than 10 feet apart. 
Okay, well. I'm and so not. I think that it's probably just getting overloaded with signal. At that point, well, it's, and you it's have a able fresh to, battery in the transponder. And right, maybe, the signal is so strong when you're that, that close be. that there's just no really yeah. delineation between yeah. where are you. And if you're that close to an airplane, you'll see it. You'll see it. Yeah. So I agree. That's that's my thought. And and when you're far away, you're supposed to be able to walk towards it. And you know, as that's in that field, as the as the gun is pointing at it, mm-hmm. it's going to make a different noise. I've not seen this work, so I don't know if it's clicking faster or if it's like a, 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 a what's it called when the people on the beach that use them like for oh, looking oh metal, metal detectors, detectors. Yeah. like I don't know if it's something like that to where it makes a, a you know tone, a, a different tone or yeah. or what, but that's the the well, gist had, of how it, it had works. Several dials on it that he messed with, and I'm assuming one of them was probably gain, so you can probably dial probably. up or down the sensitivity yeah. of the thing. But anyway. The other thing, though, the other thing that I don't necessarily like about them, they're each numbered with a different channel. Oh yeah, and you so you have to remember what the number is. I don't remember my channel right now. Like I obviously, <laughs> if I was to fly something with it in it, I would go look at it, and it's sixty or sixty-two or so, I don't remember exactly what. It might have been sixty because I got to pick, and I picked the easiest one I could remember, but I still can't remember. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> here's a okay. good idea. It might have been a so waste of fifty bucks. Or write it on whatever you always take to the field. Well, it's in my transmitter box oh, well, or in my go. case. So like I said, I would look oh, at it beforehand. Before you put it in, I got yeah. you. Okay. But right offhand, I don't remember <laughs> what it is. It, uh, I don't know. M- might have been a waste of money, but... Well, I hope not. I mean, the, the surest way to not need it is to have it, right? Well, but then you have to remember to put it in the airplane. Well, there's that. So you're so going to have I, to remember to do that every time. <laughs> but eventually, I mean, we're going to fly so much that you're, we're going to be so good, we're just not going to crash and ever need it. See, your your mistakes high thing, though, would not have saved me from crashing. It has no nothing to do with how good you are. It, it may not have saved you from crashing, but it might have saved us from searching. But I was, no. If you were higher... But that, that doesn't make any sense to be higher. Of when I'm the corn, it may have just crashed onto the runway and we'd have found it. But it doesn't make any sense to be higher when I'm trying to land. I know. I'm just teasing. Okay. I'm just making sure because you're all like so serious and so so sure about flying. I'm just trying higher. to defend my point, and even if it's senseless, because that's what we're No, do. your your point is good for those that are are learning to fly. Um the the first crash at the field. I don't know who that was yeah, or how. I don't know the details of that. I just know that there's another airplane. Somewhere. Yeah. Like off, farther off. Opposite to the, direction yeah. of yours. Yeah. So, and, and I don't know if some extra altitude would have helped. Yeah. I don't know. The, Perhaps. Uh, I don't know. But. It might've been the same situation. Oh, speaking of situation, same situation. So um, I talked to Reggie the other day and he's putting one of those uh, Great Plains uh, Stearmans together. Mm-hmm. Guess what kind of elevator push rod setup it has. Uh, same as what was in mine mm-hmm. that went down mm-hmm. that he put together mm-hmm. that he shouldn't be doing with this one. So we talked about that and I gave him a couple of suggestions. Uh, so what I'm talking about here is it's two push rods, right? So it's a split elevator, you mm-hmm. know, two elevator halves, uh, two separate rods come off the elevators, right? One for each one. And then they come together before one, the servo. One has a bend in it, one at least on mine. It, like a jog in it to, mm-hmm. to bring it over to the other one. Two nineties. Yep. And then they are... Uh, they're probably 245s, right? Anyway, no, it doesn't on, matter. Okay, sure. They come together, and then they are bound together with a wheel collar. Yeah. <laughs> and and in this one, Reggie said that the Great Plains actually gave him 
two wheel collars. Oh, that's good. To to double up the safety. The wheel collar. And then, you know, the one rod goes to the servo. Same setup as as on the plane that you Which put. on the servo, it was connected with a, a quick connect. With yeah, the, I don't know. I I don't know if I asked him how it's connected at the servo, but I told him, I said, if you can, this is a big enough airplane. If you have room for a second servo, I highly recommend going dual servo on the elevator. Really? On, on this airplane. Because, well, number one, um, I like having independent control of the elevator halves. I don't know why. I can't explain why, but... Have you ever programmed it to be different? I have. Oh, okay. Well, then you can explain So I've why. experimented with, you know, sure. trying trying to, to use the elevator kind of in As augment an, the aileron, aileron. You know? yeah. And it does work. It actually does make it roll, but it does weird things to the elevator trim. But anyway... I digress. Um, but it's, as a nice little safety margin, you know, if you lose one connector, at least you have half your elevator. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, I suggested, number one, do that if you can. And if you can't do that, just make sure that Loctite everything. You know, those two wheel collars, if you've got room for a third one or maybe even a fourth one, put it on there. Because... I'm telling you, with the vibrate, especially vibrations from these big single cylinder gas, you know, 30 cc, I think is what he's putting on this one. They, oh, that's bigger than I was thinking. They vibrate it was then. a lot. Yeah. And if it's not secure, those wires are slippery. And if you don't grind a flat on them where the set screws go and all that sort of jazz. And even um, then, I'm just not a fan of that setup. So hopefully, <laughs> Reggie, if you're listening, um, please, please, please do everything you can to avoid a potential catastrophe. Yeah, with that one that I ended up crashing, that was the first time I'd ever seen it set up like that. Yeah. Like most of the time, it's the elevators are connected. Right. Or if not, on some of the bigger ones I've had too, yeah, it's it's yeah. Two, two servos. I didn't realize that one he was putting together was so big though. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a great plane Super Air Master. I think he said he's putting a 30 C. It's either a 20 or a 30. That's still good size. Yeah. I don't know why I just, yeah. from the pictures he showed me of it, it just it, didn't well, it's look a little as bit big. Bigger, it's a little bit bigger than your Skybolt. Okay. Yeah. It's a good size airplane. I think it's that, really, really that only has too. a 15 cc on it. Last time, last time I was over at his place, he was, you know, he's working on it. It's a pretty airplane. Nice. Really, he's doing a good job on it too. So cool. He's taking his time, which I like. Well, it's the but best way to do it if you do things yeah, right. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll avoid any potential catastrophe or putting it in the corn. I don't mm. want to go out in the corn if I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done going out in the corn, so. I know you are, but I swear as soon as that corn turns brown, I'm going to go out there and find it. Well, I'll have at it. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. Maybe I'll look this weekend. Okay. So anyway, yeah, a couple of mistakes high. Hopefully that made sense to everybody. Um, depends on the airplane and all that. But just whatever you do, just make sure if you're trying something new, give yourself some altitude, you know, to recover in case things go wrong. Because they probably will. Yeah, sometimes I mean, it I happens. Yes. Yeah. But that's if, uh, that's all I wanted to talk about. If you fly, you're going to crash. Eventually. Yeah. The odds are against, yeah, never crashing. The odds are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like a when, double When you negative. double negative. That was like a double positive. <laughs> no, Does you said against it? and never. Those are both well, negative. So negative. it's double negative yeah. to make it a positive. Yeah. So the odds are with crashing. Yeah. And you can fly higher than four stories. I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what, uh, yeah, just... I don't know. You know, sometimes so. you get it in your head and you can't yeah. get it out of your head until somebody shows you how much of an idiot you are. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. We all make that mistakes. And that so. one's staying in. Yes, it should. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, let's no just that's it. Get out uh, here if for you guys, now. Uh, if you guys have any questions, especially if you guys have had positive experiences with these plane finder things, let us know. Send us an email. We'll read it on the air. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Good night. Good night, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle. Oh, my God.